0: to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Shauna David and we're here to take a look at the women's football news both domestically and internationally and it's the big one. The WSL season is over and the Hayes' Chelsea were crowned champions. So coming up We'll have a look at their win yesterday and have a look back at their season. Plus, we'll be looking ahead to the Champions League final as well. Joining me this week, we have Sportsbeat and Press Association journalist, Mittal Sanji. Hi, Mittal.
1: Hi, I'm all well here. So it's been a very hectic weekend, but I'm looking forward to featuring today's podcast. So thank you for having me.
0: Nice one. And we have former FA and Aston Villa media officer, Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Hi, Sean. Ed, good to be reunited and she's back for her second appearance on the podcast. It's the Sun Sports Women's Football Reporter, Sandra Broby. Sandra, it's so great to have you back with us. Thank you. Hi, how are you doing? You all right? I'm all good. Well, it was all eyes on the WSL this weekend. Championship and relegation was to be decided on the final day of the season. Chelsea had gone back top midweek thanks to a 2-0 win at Spurs, both goals coming from Sam Kerr in that one. That meant a win at home against Reading would seal the title for Emma Hayes' side and keep them on course for the quadruple. If they didn't win and Manchester City won down at West Ham, then the title would have been heading up to the northwest. Chelsea got off to the perfect start as Melanie Leopold fired them ahead from Jess Carter's clever corner. And just before half-time, the deadly duo of Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby combined once again with Kirby eventually firing home. It was deja vu for the third goal as well as Kerr again found Kirby on the edge of the area and she fired powerfully home. Kirby's little chipped ball over the top allowed Kerr to fire home to make it four before Erin Cuthbert made it 5-0 as she got her goal. That result meant whatever Man City did down in Dagenham became, it didn't matter really how Man City did. Man City, they dominated the game And it looked it wouldn't be that day, especially when Mackenzie Arnold saved Sam Lewis's penalty. Ellen Weiss eventually broke the deadlock, getting on to the end of a Lucy Bronze cross. Later on, Arnold saved another penalty, this time from Rose Lavelle. Point for West Ham ensured that Ollie Harder's side remain in the WSL next season and before we get on to the discussion of everything that went on our very own Liv Griffiths was down at Kings Meadow and she had a quick chat with Emma Hayes in the post-match press conference
2: I think knowing you're coming into the last game is in your hands it's the only place you want to be you know I I wouldn't want to be in an, an, another team's dressing room hoping someone slips up like that, that's why we are the dominant side. The whole season, we've lost one game. I'm glad we lost that game. We're never too good to lose. And I think it just keeps you on the edge of performance all the time. And, and my team are, show so many sides again and again and again. And today, again, another brilliant result and great strength in depth. And no doubt my favourite title today
3: last question so I better make it a good one you said this is one of the best titles you've won is this the best Chelsea squad that you've
2: had since you've been here Uh, in terms of the depth yes because I'd say again at the time the team whatever team won their league that was the best team in the country then so I think it's always hard to compare that what the difference for me is is we've now got a team that can compete in europe forget domestically we've got a team that are in the champions league final um and that's not what i had before so for that reason yes all right okay. i say it because i never like to sell short all the players <laughs> all the players over the years that have won titles here like we are in this position because of those players
3: yep that's fair enough good luck for next week thanks thank you Well, Emily, I'll come
0: to you first. A comprehensive gloss put on an impressive league season,
3: wasn't it? What a final day and huge, huge congratulations to Chelsea. Absolutely. And I think you can't underestimate the fact that so much went down to the final day, because I think it's fair to say that that hasn't been commonplace in the women's game really up until recent years. And I know certainly at the start of the season, Chelsea weren't necessarily the front runners that we were talking about on this podcast. And then Man City themselves had that, that sort of blip, um, sticky patch in the middle towards the end of the season. And then obviously have come good at the end. So look, it, it was all it was all set up, wasn't it? I think, you know, it would have taken a bit of a miracle for Chelsea not to have done the job yesterday because there are obviously a lot of different permutations there. But what a performance from them. To secure it, a. I mean, the fact that it was interesting. I actually, I don't often stay up and watch the women's football show because it's very late and you know way past my bedtime. And I normally sort of watch it on the day or you know sort of catch up with it on social media, or watch it you know on catch up the next day. But. You know Emma Hayes as part of that was saying, you know I still thought we were a bit rusty which seems crazy doesn't it with a performance like that but no what what a brilliant final day and what a performance from Chelsea that sort of just encompassed them throughout the season I think.
0: Yeah, there was a really nice quote from Emma Hayes which she said to her players afterwards. You like winning? Okay, great because you've got to go and do it again on Saturday. Which just, I think that encompasses everything you have to know about Emma Hayes as a manager. Um, Mittle, you know, there was some debate about whether this is the best WSL side the league has ever seen. Emma Hayes, as you heard there, said yes before backtracking slightly. But would you agree that this Chelsea side is one of the best, if not the best, the league has ever seen?
1: I believe so as well. Um, just because they've already won the Conti Cup, they've got the Super League on the bag, and they could possibly win the Quadruple as well. No one's actually ever achieved the Quadruple, so they they've still got a chance to actually achieve that and uh, kind of kind of create history in the women's game that for the as the first ever side to actually ever do it. So, um, if if they have achieved that kind of accomplishment, if they do, then you have to call this one of the best sides that's ever graced the women's game. So, without a shadow of a doubt.
0: Sandra, would you say looking at Kerr and Kirby at the moment, would you say there's a better front pairing in the league right now, even
4: in Europe? Well, definitely. And in the league, they're they're probably the best, I would say, just in terms of, I mean, with the exception of Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly when she was fit in terms of what they were doing um, with with Ellen White and their and their um, teammates at Man City, but I mean Kerr and Kirby, the performance yesterday was exceptional, was outstanding. Just in terms of the understanding they have of each other's game, almost telepathic with the passing, um, and both hitting top form at the same time. And you see with Kerr, you know, winning the Golden Boot this season, which is great considering, the, you know, there are a few you know voices criticising her last term in terms of impact. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they are an outstanding uh, attacking duo for Chelsea and just have played, I guess, a big part in Chelsea's success. But, I mean, them aside, I mean, it was interesting um, yesterday after the press conference, Emma Emma Hayes, whilst praising them, was also, you know, quick to point out that there are others in the team who've all played their part in terms of Chelsea's attack. With Beth England, although she hasn't started every single game, but then also the likes of Erin Cuthbert coming in and and doing Mm -hmm. jobs um, in the front. Um, when needs be so yeah but Kerr and Kirby are outstanding yeah. Mm.
0: Looking at the Chelsea squad really it's almost frightening the amount of talent that they have available to them we had Mitchell say just then that he thinks they're one of the the best WSL side that we've ever seen would
4: you would you agree with that? Yeah I mean at the moment yes absolutely I mean it be it would be love to have a time machine to bring arsenal ladies from of their era to face this chelsea team to see what that would look like um you know but they they are superb and just i mean the strength of depth of that squad as as Mittle pointed out is just it's just so impressive i mean for example emma hayes fielded uh you know near enough change side against london city lionesses in um, the previous round of, of the Women's FA Cup, and she brought through some of the younger players, like you know Aggie Beaver Jones, and 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 then obviously some of uh, you know the, the the squad players, and just the job they did there, and just in terms of how effective and deadly they are, um, it's just impressive. They're just right across the board, first team and and those who who come on as as more often than not as substitutes. It's just top quality. Drew spent and and Hannah Blundell, and then obviously we've seen Jess Carter come in uh, late in uh, you know midway or you know towards the latter stage of the season come in and do a job and and do it really well even though she you haven't been playing every single game this term and just be outstanding particularly um, you know in, in helping Chelsea knock out Bayern Munich so it's just the squad is frightening
0: yeah. yeah in that sense they remind me a bit of the Man City's men's team because even when you look at their bench you know during a game it doesn't even look like much of a bench and it's you know it's the talent available to them um and this Chelsea side is just phenomenal in terms of Man City then um wasn't wasn't the success that they would have wanted they have the FA Cup left to play for now but in terms of You know, where would you think Gareth Taylor would would
4: rate this season? Has it been a success for them, would you say? They've pushed Chelsea all the way. When you consider how many goals they've scored, how many away wins they've had, it's just that Chelsea are just that bit better. I wouldn't say that Mm -hmm. the season's been a a flop by any stretch of the imagination for Man City. Um, uh, You know, they've had a bit of bad luck, obviously, with Steph Houghton um, getting injured. And I think that kind of knocked, knocked things a little bit back for them in terms of their defense. But I mean, I think they would have liked to have gone further, I think, in the Champions League, but they've you know they came up against an outstanding Barcelona team who are now in the finals, so, which just shows you the calibre of what, what it took to, to take Man City mm-hmm. out. I think, yeah, they'll they'll be they'll they'll want to go for the title, they'll want to like try and you know push Chelsea even further and push mm-hmm. Chelsea all the way, and, and they'll want to do much better in Europe, certainly next term. I mean, they won the FA Cup last last season that they're you know still in it this this term I think they'll probably want to retain that um mm. so yeah I mean yeah they're like, they're, I'm sure they'd wish they'd won the title but it's just it's just one of those things isn't it, it just came up against the Chelsea side that's in the form of its life really
0: absolutely and semi answered my next question really but where would you say that Man City need to strengthen what do they need to do this summer you know to improve not only domestically but also in Europe as well
4: well, you know, depending, they brought in Abidal Kemper, which is a great buy. You had Sam Lewis um, brought in into midfield along with Roosevelt. I mean, Sam Lewis has, has had a, a good season with uh, Man City, the injury aside. I mean, I'm not sure if she's staying, but you certainly need someone of her mould in that midfield, just a kind of midfield general, so to speak, someone who can really mix it and, and, and cause problems for
5: mm-hmm.
4: um, the opposition, but in particular your, your rivals for the title, I mean, they've well, Man City are very fortunate in that you've got an outstanding striker in Ellen White. You've got great attackers with Lauren Hemp and and uh, Chloe Kelly, but it's just Chloe Kelly's injury is a real blow. So I don't know whether they're looking to, they may wish to either bring someone in on loan, or, you know, or or to buy to cover mm-hmm. that spot. They've been linked with um with a with a Jamaican player Keisha Bunnyshub, who's playing in the um, French top division. But we'll wait to see what happens um, in terms of the transfer market with City. I know that when, when Gareth Taylor was asked the question about, about her, he kind of was very cagey. But um, wait to see whether she ends up being a City player next term.
0: Well, down at the bottom of the table, it was heartbreak for Bristol City as they were relegated to the Championship after a 3-1 defeat at Brighton. Maya Letizia put the Seagulls ahead after Vixen's goalkeeper, Sophie Bagley, had dropped the ball at her feet. Brighton added a second eight minutes into the game, Matt Beard's sides did have some hope when substitute Abby Harrison got a goal back just six minutes after coming on as a substitute, but their fate was sealed when Inessa Cagman's free kick was deflected home. And we can hear now from the Bristol City manager, Matt Beard.
6: Today, if we didn't win, um, you know, but look, obviously I'm upset, I'm disappointed, obviously with with what's happened, but the players haven't left anything out there today. Um, you know they've given blood, sweat, and tears since I've come in in January, and they fought for absolutely everything that uh, I for us. You know, just a maybe a little bit too much, but as I said before, we, we deserve credit for getting ourselves in this position. Um, you know, I'm just disappointed for the players and, and, and you know, everyone that's put the work in, but quite um, wrecked in today. Um, um, to stand ourselves up against a tough opponent, it's obviously a big occasion today for us. We're a young squad. Um, you know, there's been times over the course of the season when we've been in good positions and we've let leads slip. Um, you know, things change when we got off the bottom as well. I think that's a big thing for me that, um, you know, we're trying to get in grips with that. Uh, where you become the chasers and then you become in chase, I think, uh. We just had a little bit of a different pressure. I mean, me personally, have been so many learning for over the course of these five months. As I say, look, you know, we, we've, we've given everything to try and stay in a division, and unfortunately, it's just not been enough. I think we've proved you know, that we can play at this level, or players have proved that they deserve to be at this level. As I said, when I come in, everyone has already written the club off. So, um, we've, we've given absolutely everything to try and stay in a division. And, um, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking that, that we haven't we haven't done it and it's just one of them things in life, unfortunately.
0: Emily, after the start, Bristol City had Matt Beard. He has to be, you know, given a lot of credit for taking it to the final game of the season, doesn't he? Because, you know, we've talked a lot about Bristol this season. It's been a long old slog for them and, you know, you have to give them full credit for, you know, for going down with a fight and taking it down to the final day.
3: Absolutely, Sean Ed. And I think that, again, it was always probably going to be difficult for them. But, you know, I think they've certainly showed some real shoots of recovery. The fact, like you say, I think it was just two wins from their opening 22 league games or something. So that was, sorry, so that's obviously overall this season. But I think in terms of where, you know, where they were and where they are now... (laughs) It's really tricky, isn't it? Just to sort of uh, have seen a way out for them, but but the way they've performed in recent games, I think they've showed a spirit. They even showed a little bit yesterday where people thought, oh, maybe you know, there's a chance here. Um, But I think the big thing now for them is looking to the future because, as we've seen with Liverpool, as we've seen, you know, with other teams that have been relegated, it's not easy down there in the Championship. And Mm. teams are investing more. Teams are looking better. You only have to look at how competitive it's been this year so i think for them it is a really really big summer to work out i guess who they can retain and the best way of tackling the championship and making that immediate return because bristol city are another one of these huge names i suppose again if it would have been the same if birmingham had had dropped down to the championship bristol city are a name that people associate with the wsl now okay i know people know they don't have the financial clout of the bigger teams but they have been there or thereabouts for a while and and certainly, you know, one of the names associated with the game. So you just hope that they can, you know, get everything in order that they need to do to be able to compete next season. Mm. And Emily, again, when you look at the individual talent Bristol
0: have, Ebony Salmon, to me, has just been their star performer. Sophie Bagley, I've been a massive fan of her for a number of years now. Those players, they'll be on you know, people's watch lists, won't they? Are you expecting them to stay at
3: Bristol or do you think they'll be in the WSL next season playing for other teams? Well, that's the tricky thing, isn't it? Because I think certainly the way that they've performed as a team recently and those individuals throughout the season you have to think, don't you, that there's a good chance that those players will be picked up, which would which would make it really challenging for them. And I know there was a lot of similar discussion around West Brom last night. You know, they've got one or two players that have been really integral and important to them. But unfortunately they are probably going to leave because there will be other Premier League clubs that, that are after them and it's exactly the same with Bristol City and it's a strange one really because they're almost a victim of their own successful, in inverted commas, end of the season. But then I think on the flip side, if they can hold the core of the squad together, they can make a real good go of it next season. I think the fact that they did have better form ending the season could mm. stand them in good stead as well because... You know, if the majority of those players remain, it's a lot more positive going into a new season, regardless of what league you're in, when you've had some good results and you're on a better run than, say, where they were, you know, three or four months ago. We'll move briefly on to Brighton.
0: Their win over Bristol means that the Seagulls finish in sixth place. Our Andrew Rabin caught up with manager Hope Powell after the game.
5: Well, Hope, you must be very proud of that uh, performance today and of course it gets you into that top half finish. How proud of you of a, of a season are you? How proud are you of that?
7: Yeah, I'm really, really pleased. Um, we, we had a good run after, after the Bristol game where I thought we were pretty poor and it was a, a real low for, for the squad. Um, the response to that was brilliant. It, it really actually kicked us on um, for successive wins and, and then obviously beating some of those big clubs which I guess was unexpected in, in um, most people's eyes. Um, so some really good performances and I think today finished up with a really good performance. So it's been a good
5: season. Well, the win over Chelsea obviously does stand out in amongst those results, I guess.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very unexpected. Certainly after the, the week before, not, not necessarily unexpected from our camp, but I'm sure from everybody else, we, we try and win every game. That, that day was no different. Bristol when we lost 3-1 was no different. I guess that game everybody was absolute, absolutely resolute in defending, you know, and, and clinical in finishing and then we end up winning the game, so stand out performance yes, um, but generally it's,
5: it's been a good season. And then does this uh, kind of raise expectations among uh, in the camp, this top half finish no. for next season? Why not? I mean you've talked before about having to sort of uh, cope with the, or compete with the bigger clubs and you're doing that now?
7: Yeah, but it's about consistency. Um, We've got to do it again, you know, we, we need to, to recover from this season while well, we still got a cup game to play next week but we've, we've got to recover and then we've got to have a good pre-season and we've got to be ready to go again.
5: And then finally of course you've got Huddersfield in the FA Cup uh, next week, um, obviously a competition that you want to try and make more progress in.
7: Yeah, we want to stay in it, um, we want to get to a quarter-final. It gives us a chance again, another game, another opportunity to to play more football, to do well. So
5: next week we'll be trying to win that game as well. A bit of squad rotation, or are you going to go ahead with yeah, what you got? We'll
7: see how people are, and then we'll go from there.
5: I right, hope well done today. Thank you very
0: much, Sandra. It's been lots of highs and lows for Brighton this season, wasn't it? It hasn't it hasn't been
4: smooth sailing to say the least. Yeah, it's been a kind of up and down season for them, but they finished the season quite strongly. They just getting to the point where in the top six which is uh you know great considering I mean January they had a dis- what they describe as a disappointing loss um at Bristol Bristol City three 0 which they weren't expecting and it came off the back of a poor run uh, by their mm. standards and that but that was the turning point for them I hope Powell spoke afterwards and a few of the players you know said that they had a kind of a kind of meeting where they just had a frank, Conversation about you know what they want to achieve, what they want to do as a team. And since then, I mean, the bounce back from that defeat of Bristol, beating the only team to beat Chelsea out of everyone um, at Kings Meadow. I mean, that's no mean. That's you know impressive. And the run Man City close that you know they've had some, and then obviously they they got their the event re- revenge on Bristol, and sadly for them on the last day of the season. I mean, they've had a good run, hope uh, in the, the second half of this season. Definitely Brighton and shown that they can beat any team more or less in in this division that they can beat the highest as well as the lowest teams. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer. I mean, they hope Powell brought in some very good players and I is really good and um, what have you. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer, what what their mm. targets will be for next term, where they want to finish higher up the table as, as they have done this season.
0: FA Cup for them next weekend like you mentioned, you know, they've given it a good go against the top teams in the league. So
4: definitely underdogs, but a team that you cannot write off. Absolutely not. I mean, they've shown as they, you know, with the results um, against Chelsea and with the draw they had to get away at Man City earlier in the, se- in the season, that you know, they they're not to be underestimated. Brighton I mean I expect them to go through it's Huddersfield they have isn't it so Mm. I expect them to go through to the next round but they're certainly not to be underestimated um at all they you know they they can mix it with the best of them as well as take on uh you know teams lower down the table so yeah expect them to to push on in the FA Cup
0: As mentioned last week, Arsenal confirmed third spot in the league. In his last league game as manager for the club, Joe Montemiro oversaw a rather disappointing 0-0 draw with Aston Villa. That point secured Villa's status in the WSL for next season and ensured that they didn't go straight back down to the championship after being promoted last season. So that was a massive, massive point for Villa. Mito, you were at the game, definitely not the result Montemiro would have wanted, you know, for his final game, but ultimately he's, you know, achieved his goal, hasn't he? They've qualified for Europe, and you know, what, what were your thoughts on the game and and everything that went down?
1: Um, my thoughts on the game was that Arsenal were very dominant. Uh, uh, with, with their with their ball position throughout the game from both halves, and they kind of struggled to get into the final third. I would say struggled in a way that they couldn't create enough clear-cut chances. They had some like three good chances. They're all free from Vivian vidamar but there was all down that like, to like some slow build-up play. It wasn't that like, the intricate um, build-up play that Arsenal would normally would would have done, where they would, would score four, or five, six against these of oppositions uh, like Aston Villa, but no disrespect to Villa. They their game plan was just simply for straight. Parked the bus and hit Arsenal onto the onto the counter, and I think with John Montemiro he did say in, in his post-match interview that um, the team did lack like this kind of execution, they kind of in the final third. So it wasn't really um, effective in the end for them. So I mean they kept creating chances, but um, they they were fully run out of ideas. But Villa did so well to stop to to stop that because. They they kept the defensive shape and I must say I must give credit to Alicia Ledao and Anita Asante. They were both um, fantastic. They all were the heartbeat of that team in terms of that kind of defensive backline. In terms of trying to frustrate Arsenal in that middle of the midfield, every time when there was a the likes of Jewel Ward and Beth Mead getting getting to like pockets of spaces, they did so well to like. Um, Blocked their kind of like the rhythm, their, their passes of play that normally would that we would see Arsenal kind of exploit and would score goals and um, the players that really um, took that the Villa players took advantage of it mm-hmm. but yeah it was a frustration for was a bit of frustration for John Montemiro because he didn't uh, finish his final WSL game in charge with a win because um, he was slightly frustrated in the sense that he really wanted to achieve the 50 point mark despite uh, finishing the campaign in third position and um, and you did say that, obviously, Chelsea and Man City were the better side in, the, in certain moments of the season. And um, they went on a brilliant run after the, since their 3-0 loss at, um, to Chelsea at King's Meadow back in the early February. And they've done so well to actually build a really good momentum uh, in terms of going on a good winning streak. But it didn't come into fruition. But of course, um, they've got, he's got one... Uh, more game left as manager of Arsenal uh, this weekend in the FA Cup against Crystal Palace and he wants to ensure that he finished his tenure on a high and uh, and Arsenal do progress to the next round of the cup which will continue um as a start of next season. The objective was he made it very clear in his first match interview press conference um he did tell me that his his key objective was to get in places where we could they possibly score and finish the action. And they really couldn't do it. And it was it was down to those those players like Miedmar to um to take advantage and of course it was in in mind, that that she wanted to um become like the top goal scorer of this season WSL like trying to um as she was fighting for that golden boot with Sam Kerr but uh it wasn't her day and um but of course she obviously had a very another fantastic season and and long may it continue under a new Mm -hmm. manager of course next season at at Arsenal.
0: Absolutely I have to say Montemiro has been one of my favourite characters in the WSL I think he's a lovely lovely man and yeah best of luck and I'm I'm actually quite sad to see him go because I think I think but I think it's a general consensus everyone who's met him or interviewed him you know he's a top guy so um no I'm sad to see him um his tenure come to an end at Arsenal. Emily looking ahead you know what do Arsenal need to do going forward you know is it to know their results against the top three, if you like, haven't been great this season, you know, what would you say is the the next, I don't know, you know, the next building block for them? Where do they go from here?
3: I think you've hit the nail on the head there with against and um, get results against those other top teams, those top three. I mean, look, other than that, they're pretty faultless, aren't they? I think on their day, they can be exceptional and could be anybody, um, but it. it It is really challenging because I suppose when you look at the squad that they've got, it's hard to understand why they can't sort of get the better of those teams around them and sort of push on that little bit further than they need to. But then I guess by the same token, the quality Mm -hmm. of the league has improved drastically. I think Man United are one of the big, you know, the big factors there, really, just in terms of the investment they've had and how quickly that they've hit the ground running in the league. So, yeah, I'd probably say. You know, I'm by no means a sort of tactical or coaching expert, but I'd probably say, I don't know, maybe one or two tweets to the squad, maybe a little bit more depth in some of those key areas. And yeah, perhaps a lot of it is is psychological. You know what I mean? They, they know that they can they can beat most teams on their day, but perhaps, you know, those that that they consider around them, and I guess in the same company that they struggle, they struggle to compete against or I guess assert their own game. So perhaps, you know, yeah. some of it is actually psychological rather than, you know, technical, if you like.
0: I feel bad that we haven't spoken much about Villa, but Mittel, you have to give massive, massive credit to them. You know, it will be a massive relief and also a huge boost for the club that that, that they have managed to, to stay
1: up. Aston Villa were, of course, immense in the last final rounds of games um, under such difficult circumstances. And they produced one of like, the best defensive performances and one of the best performances without them having the ball possession. And um the man and um, the villa manager made it really clear that that they were it was one of the most controlled properties and being out of position and limiting Arsenal about like, like, so keeping Miedemar quiet. Well, of course they had very limited chances or very they had some real moments on the ball, but but they just kept their defensive shape. They didn't want to get themselves carried away because um they've had some setbacks in recent results, like they were tuning up against um, Bristol City, and then of course, um they Ended up being a two-all draw at home. And then of course they could have won again away to Birmingham, which I think was yeah, they couldn't get a win against Birmingham. So um for them it was so important that they needed to get a result today. And and they were totally focused on the game. And every one of those players made it made a shift. And what impressed them most is about the way the team has psychologically adapted to the environment and culture. And 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 they've proved the, they showed it in the, in a high performance environment that that this team can compete at this level, especially in the women's super league. And he must give real credit. He gives real credit to these younger players who made a big shift and who have never played in the WSL before. And uh, they just come just come into these kind of games and um, and they've shined through. So um, there's a lot of credit that go, goes, goes to Aston Villa. But, of course, they need to rebuild for next season. They have to um, – they obviously, with, this, with, the, with the style of play that they've embedded in the last rounds of games, um, it's great. But, of course, this is not something that's going to guarantee them like um, – Guarantee their status again in the wsos is about how to push on next because um, it's going to get it's going to get more exciting next season with the new broadcaster and it's also going to get tougher as well because we've got Leicester coming in into the mix next season so it's not going to be an easy ride for them. And I'm sure other teams around the line, the likes of West Ham, the likes of um, Birmingham, the likes of even Tottenham and Reading, who've kind of um, They've been up and down um, during the course until the end of the, or the Women's simply Camp. They're all going to be looking to strengthen. They're looking to improve. So it's going to, next season going to be bigger and better. Um, that's for sure.
0: Well, Manchester United wraps up an impressive first season in the WSL with a 2-0 win over Everton. Ella Toon opened up the scoring on six minutes before she set up Kirsty Hansen to finish the job a minute from time. The win means Casey Stoney's side finished fourth with Everton fifth, a massive 15 points, Everton 15 points behind Man United. Um, Emily, we know Casey Stoney is really driven and we know that she'll have want to have finished higher um, especially there was a point in the season where you know they really were flying high. Um, but when she sits back and reflect, reflects on this season, their first WSL season, like she'll she'll be happy with that, won't she?
3: Yeah, she certainly will do. And I think it's easy because they, you know, they they secured some really impressive results and performances early on. And I guess they've just got those massively high standards, haven't they, given the name of the club, what they've invested, and also just Casey Stoney in general has high standards and will want to be the best that she and more importantly the team can be. But yeah, I think you're right. When she reflects, when she actually looks back on the season overall, they can't be too disappointed, can they? I mean, they've performed well. uh, You know, they've been a topic of conversation for a lot of people with their style of play. They've obviously made some really exciting marquee signings, which, you know, have not only shone in the league but of also from a commercial point of view it's raised awareness with the shirt sales with you know the kind of parity there with the men's and women's side of things so look I, I think it's been a really really good season for them and you know I, I think the league needs to watch out for them next season because you can only see them getting better and growing. Hmm.
0: Sandra in terms of Man United I guess it's all about getting there recruitment right isn't it to keep their best players but to also recruit well and push on for next season to make sure you know that they are a constant threat and that they
4: do remain you know a top four top three side going forward yeah and I mean mean, Casey Stoney's done a great job she's done a great certainly with her team done a great job with recruitment this season in terms of the signings with um, Tobin Heath, Kristen Press but then also she's got uh, she's cultivated a good crop of young players coming through and just Mm -hmm. you know I mean You've, you've seen them being boosted by the likes of Leah Golden being back. And, you know, we've got Lestia Russo there as well. Um, she's got a good core of young players that she can build and build on um, there as well as, you know, like you're saying, you've got your marquee signings there. But, yeah, it's about the recruitment. And, uh, you know, they've been linked with um, Baltimore with PSG. Although, I mean, I think Stony brushed that off. But, um, yeah, I, I think that I'd be surprised. I imagine, you know, she'll be frustrated Stony, with not finishing in that top three spot. I mean, they were good enough to do it. It's just maybe if things had panned out differently in terms of injuries, they probably would have pushed Arsenal um, mm. harder um, than, they, than they did. So, yeah, I guess, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the summer um, going ahead into next season to really push for that qualification for Europe.
0: Yeah, it could potentially be a busy old summer for Casey Stoney and Man United. Um, Mitchell, and quickly for Everton, they were... You know the best of the rest, but they're another team who need to do better against those top three, top four sides, aren't they? Especially if they do want to establish themselves as a top side in the WSL.
1: Yeah, of course, every team in the WSL that are in that have survived in this league, they're all gonna want to prosper because obviously, with next season, the the market is actually growing within the WSL in terms of this exposure, in terms of the in terms of attention from the mainstream media, and of course. They want to look to, like, um, grow even further and make sure that they want to be one of the most watched leagues in the world. So every team's got to strengthen. They're all going to make this as, like, an exciting exciting product for people to watch. So, of course, every, every team wants to strengthen. And, of course, and there's a lot of, again, there's more money as so kind of, like, pumping into the game now. So um, every team's going to really have to push above their weight to actually... Um, to grow, To grow even further in, in the WSL, and of course, kind of like cement their status as a as a WSL side. So, um, and of course, they've done fairly decently with 32 points they've uh, accumulated this season. But um, of course, they, we cannot be carried away. But we said before about the likes of Leicester coming in, and, um, and teams around them, like I'm sure, like Reading and Brighton, who have established sides and have um, kind of established managers in the game, they're going to look to do better as well. So they have to look around the teams around them as well.
0: Moving on to some of the other action, the other game in the WSL, saw so Birmingham City, who began the day really looking over their shoulders. They entertained Spurs, who had already retained their WSL status. Birmingham had that weekend a point worse off after having a point docked for playing Ruisha Little in the draw against Reading, when, as we mentioned last week, she should have been suspended. The um, strike by Spurs' kick Graham separated the two sides on the day and then due to Bristol City's defeat, Ward side stayed up by a point, but slipped below their City rivals Villa on the final day of the season. Emily, despite Birmingham staying up and they should be given you know, full credit for doing so, there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding that club at the moment, isn't there?
3: There is. And, you know, I know it's been very, very well documented on this podcast and, and you know, in the wider media, it's a really, really tricky situation. And I think, you know, we've already spoken a lot about the big summer that teams have got in terms of being able to continue to compete or, I guess, in Bristol's case, compete in the league below. But I think the biggest challenge or the club with the biggest challenge is certainly Birmingham because, the, you know, there appears to be so many on-field issues which have obviously translated onto the field because, They've struggled um, massively, really, in terms of getting those results. So, look, I think they'll be very, very relieved to stay up. But I guess now, you know, there's a lot of work to do across the club to ensure that, you know, things are better for them and they are able, you know, to compete again, both on and more importantly, arguably off the field too.
0: Yeah, there's been some noise in terms of are they the immediate favourites to go down which I think it's unfair to talk about that when you know the new season hasn't even started yet but Sandra do you think there'll be questions around Carla Ward and whether she'll look to stay on or you know or, w- or will she be at another club next
4: season? I mean she's when whenever she's done her presses Carla Ward's always always talks effusively about how you know you know the resilience of her team and she has a very strong bond with those those players. I mean, it would be interesting to see what happens I mean she uh, you know, tight-lipped on on what she's doing, but um, she's very committed to to her players. She's, you know, they they're very. She's very close to them, and you know, she's brought the likes of the Treaky Sari there. She made and she made good use of of Loney signings over this term. Um, I guess it'll just be, like, watch this space and see what happens with with um, Carla Ward and, and Birmingham. I mean, I think even if if she stays there and, and, you know, and they progress through to go ahead, start with next season, what have you, I still think they have enough in their locker to stay up when you consider what they've managed to do with the fact that they don't always feel the full... Uh, bench of subs compared to their rivals, the, the, how they've managed to cope with the injury crisis they've had and all the other things yet they managed to stay up even with a point deducted which says a lot for the character of of, of the players and also of their managers so it'll be interesting to see what happens and whether Carla Wall, you know what, what happens with Carla Ward and that team next term.
0: absolutely Guys, we'll take a quick look at what's happening across the continent in Europe. Uh, the hottest title race is in France, where... Leon could have their crown ripped away from them as they trail PSG by a point at the moment. Both sides won over the weekend as Leon won 4-0 at Issy while Champions League semi-finalists PSG won 2-0 at Le Havre. In Germany it's also tight with two games to go by Munich lead Wolfsburg by two points. The two sides met at the weekend with Eva Pajot cancelling out Sydney Lohmann's opener. And then in Italy and Spain the champions have been crowned already with Juventus and Barcelona comfortably winning their leagues. But we'll take a quick look at next week's Champions League final. It's part three for Emma Hayes' side in the bid for the quadruple as they travel to Gothenburg to face Barcelona. Sandra, I'm so excited for this game. How do you how do you see it going?
4: It will be fascinating to watch. I mean, you've got two, uh, you know, two, Europe's two best. Um, teams in the women's game vying for the trophy. For for you know, for Chelsea, it's the first time in their history they've got to this point. For Barcelona, they they suffered a heavy loss last year, um, last time out for them when they reached the finals to Leon four one. Um, I mean, Emma Hayes was very bullish when she was asked a question about Barcelona yesterday. I think one of the journalists mentioned the fact that they had 26 straight wins. They had more than 100 goals um, in La Liga women's division this season. And Emma Hayes is like, well, they're good, but so are we. And I'm not going there to suck butt, was her uh, precise words in the press conference that, you know, that Chelsea are going out there to compete, to win. And, you know, they, they really believe they can do it given the form they've had this season, the fact they've only lost one game in the league this term. So, um, you know, they're going in there with great confidence and and with a team that's in very, very good form right across the board from the players who start regularly to the likes of people like Drew Spence, who you can call on, and they'll put in a shift. So I think, you know, they'll be going there thinking they've got a solid chance to to have that, uh, to win that Women's Champions League crown. Emily and
0: Mitchell put you both on the spot do you think Chelsea can do it miss tell you first
1: yeah they can do it they can do it they never like they never go down down on second gear they know when to step up they know when they can seize the opportunity they know when to sit back um, they're very disciplined side and of course Emma Hayes is really motivated her side to like go all the way given the current circumstances we have with the coronavirus pandemic so um, and even with Sam Kerrs interview on the women's football show like, in her mind, just with, like during Christmas, it's to win every trophy. So, And that's the kind of positive mentality that's been really instilled in the team. So, I mean, they, they can stand every chance. Um, there's nothing stopping stopping Chelsea and Emma Hayes.
3: Yeah, I'd echo Mittal there. I, I agree fully. I think they can do it. I think one of the big things with them is they seem to perform very well in pressure situations as well. Like, OK, I appreciate you know, more often than not, they are going to beat Reading and beat them quite comfortably, certainly the way this season's panned out. But, you know, there was pressure on that game yesterday. And from where I was watching, there didn't seem to be too much pressure and they just seem to be able to deal. Or certainly this season, they've certainly been able to deal with the big occasion, which I think, you know, could could stand them in very good stead. and And I hope they do it. And I hope it's a
0: good game as well. I'm so, so excited for this game. So we'll be across all the action on next week's podcast. Um, And guys, we can't finish the podcast um, without talking about the legend that is Julie Chipchase. Some very, very sad news from the world of football this week with um, the death of Julie Chipchase. She managed Doncaster Bells for six years. She also had a spell as director of football. She also had a spell managing Leeds United and the Lionesses and tributes have just been flooding everywhere. And what a woman, what a career. And our thoughts from everyone at the Women's Football Podcast are with her family during this very sad time because an icon of the game and she'll be dearly, dearly missed by many. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Please don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. And it's worth keeping an eye on next Saturday as Crystal Palace, Georgia, Clifford is taking over our Instagram stories as they take on Arsenal in the FA Cup. So please keep an eye on that. Well, guys, Mittal, Emily, Sandra, it's been fantastic having your company. and Thank you all to our lovely listeners for listening. Take care of yourselves and we will see you all very soon.